in a time where the West is moving away from the Christian values on which it was built, with the culture becoming more and more hostile towards those who refuse to comply, where morality is relegated to a mere preference, it is time to rise up, to stand for biblical truth, and turn our hearts back to God. Time to reorient our lives surrounding God and His Word, to shed His light in a darkening world. This is the Counterculturist Podcast. What is up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode of the Counterculturist Podcast. I am Brett Blocker. I'm with my co-host, Karsten Koopman. Hello. <laughs> and we are excited to get into the first episode. Yeah, Karsten, how you feeling? A little nervous, but uh, nothing we can't handle. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm a little nervous as well, but I, I'm excited, and uh, I think I'm ready to go in. So, yeah, uh, we just want to thank you all for the support you're giving us while we're getting ready to go live. Um, and now, by the time you're hearing this, we are live. Um, yeah, this has been a long process with discussion for a little over a year now on starting this project and we appreciate all of the interactions we've had with you and the encouragement we've got from you guys yeah yeah so in today's episode we're gonna start off with an introduction to ourselves get into a little bit why we are doing the podcast what gave us the inspiration why we really became passionate for these things and then we're just gonna go into the basics of apologetics along with going through the book tactics and some other basic apologetic things. So without further ado, I think we should get into that. Don't you agree, my good sir? I do. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Carson, if you want to start off by introducing yourself, that's cool. Yeah, so you guys know my name. I'm Carson Koopman. Um, I am a student at Western University going for my criminology degree um, <coughs> nerd <laughs> um, yeah in my spare time I I mean if I get any spare time I enjoy reading um, I'm a little strange when it comes to that being so young reading books on culture philosophy theology anything really to get me thinking get my mind working um, yeah, and when I'm not doing that, I'm usually shredding on the ukulele, as you would have known if you visited our Instagram page. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, uh, if you haven't visited our Instagram page, uh, please do that. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, um, at Counterculturist Podcast. Um, yeah, and as Karsten said, subscribe if you feel so inclined to do so, if you're liking what we're talking. No pressure. Um but yeah, do subscribe. Um, yeah, and so I'll just introduce myself as well. I am Brett Blocker, as you heard in the intro. Um, I went to Fanshawe College for marketing. I got a diploma there, and I am a licensed marketing expert extraordinaire um, with a diploma. The real cream of the crop right there. You know it. Um my hobbies. I, I, I love basketball as I'm wearing a Toronto Raptors sweater. 
Um, those of you that know me obviously know this. Um, I enjoy reading as well, just as Carson does. I enjoy shredding on the ukulele. Um, yeah, hanging out with Carson as well. And those are those are kind of my hobbies. Um, now, do we tell them how we became friends or? Well, obviously, in grade nine, we became instant friends, you know, tied at the hip since we were since we saw each other at that party right i'm gonna call your bluff on that one brad uh okay so maybe not um yeah carson why don't you tell the first impression that you got of me i didn't really like brett (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't know why i just oh i know why i I Um, just didn't like him i from what i understand at that point in time the feeling was mutual yeah, I mean, like, it's not like I disliked you, but I didn't like you. That's for sure. Um, I think, I think, yeah, um, I was a little headstrong in grade nine, to say the least. I think, and uh, I, <laughs> I definitely wasn't the nicest person. That's for sure. This is why we don't uh, talk about grade nine, ten, Brett and Karsten, by the way. Yeah, grade nine. Uh, uh, speaking for myself, at least, grade nine and ten, eh, not the not the greatest guy to hang around. But to the time we actually became friends, at grade eleven, halfway through the year, right before the basketball tournament, I was in a dark place, and Karsten, being the amazing man he is grabbed me by the chest and ripped me out of it after I went to his house and basically took over his room. And since then, we've basically been joined at the hip. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, Um, since that point in time, Brett has become family. He recently got his own code for our door. It's pretty cool. Um, Shout out to Dad for making that possible. Yeah, I appreciate it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'll appreciate that shout out, but mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean that's kind of how Carson and I became friends, and yeah, been friends ever since, and hope to be friends for years to come if he doesn't become a jerk. Same goes for you. Yeah. So, Carson, why did we get into this podcast? What what got us started? Well, being so similar and terms of what we read and the things we do and hanging out constantly since grade 11 um yeah we've had many deep discussions um ranging from everything from what it means to be a man to um what's wrong with the world today and after having these conversations for years now we finally determined that if we benefit from these conversations as uh, um, as much as we have in the past, then others might as well, or others might benefit as well. So Brett brought up the idea around a year, year and a half ago, that we should start a podcast just recording our conversations, um, just so that we can raise awareness about issues that are weighing heavy on our hearts that we see in the world or that things that have come to light. Um, so yeah, that's basically our reason for starting a podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we, I, we also wanted to reflect back on 
why we really became passionate about apologetics and and talking about culture all these things um in grade i I believe it was grade 11 uh i think so tim barnett from stand to reason came to our school and i i think the line that he said that both got us looking at each other with excitement was uh apologetics isn't apologizing for being a christian it makes the atheist feel sorry that you're a christian and and i (laughs) that that line is that line is kind of stuck with us um and yeah i mean like all joking aside after that conversation we got we we started out with reading the book tactics by greg kokel and um yeah just an amazing book to get us started and um get us to kind of have a foundation for our apologetics give us some tactics to start talking to um people about our faith and yeah Carson I don't know if you have anything to say on it but yeah no that's that's where we kind of started out and that's what got us here today yeah the one thing that really stuck with me from that talk back in grade 11 um is just the imagery he used when he said, um, yeah, apologetics is not necessarily going to convert them right away. Um, but it's just that simple task of putting a stone in their shoe, as it were, to make them stop, to make them take their shoe off and remove the stone, take a look at that stone. Um, and so apologetics does the same kind of work that you poking you prod and within their belief system to get them to start thinking is is this true is this not um and yeah as brett said uh the book tactics is great for this tim barnett actually recommended it during that talk um i believe you did as well but we both went out and bought the book shortly yeah, thereafter right yeah almost right away mm-hmm. and so we would also definitely recommend that book for anyone interested yeah, in apologetics or for someone who doesn't know how to defend their faith. It's a, gr- it's, it's a great starting point. It outlines a number of um, yeah, various strategies and tactics to um, defend your faith and to have conversations with those who disagree with you. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later because um, we're going to go through... Um, part of that and uh but we want to talk about our name a little bit so what why did we come up with the name counterculturists um yeah and what the name kind of means um karsten do you want to take it take that i can take it if you like if you're too nervous i know you're probably peeing your pants right now but uh yeah i'll I'll get it started off um but you can add on and interject at any point. Yeah. Oh, and and just so everyone knows, I came up with the name. This is true. And Karsten shortly after approved of it, but I did come up with it. So I merely signed off on it, like most things for this podcast. Yeah, I do all the work. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> um, but yeah, counterculturists. It's kind of a loaded name because at least you'd ask the question: Well, what is culture? Why are we being opposed to it? Um, But yeah, so our goal is to 
oppose the culture in which we live, the secular age. Um, yeah, if you listen to the trailer and even our intro, we've, um, we pointed out that the world is becoming more and more of a dark place. Um, yeah, and we look at the the biblical passages that teach us that we are in this world, but we are not of the world. Um, as Christians, we are we are ambassadors. We are pilgrims here on this earth. Um, and more and more, I see myself personally, and I'm sure Brett does too. See, sees us disagreeing with what? everything that culture <laughs> puts yeah. forward. You read the news and. The world is becoming more and more hostile to the Christian beliefs that our nation was founded on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's constantly, constantly changing and not for the good, right? Like, And so behind our name, we realize that we are citizens of God's kingdom. Um, and this world is temporary. So while we are here, we are going to bring his truth to the people. And Lord willing, we hope to impact as many people as possible through this. I don't know if you have anything else to add on the name. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, right? Like, we don't, we want to make sure that we are actively fighting, right? And I, it, it, it's not a, like, it is a battle, right? We are fighting against culture. And I think we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about apologetics. But we want to make sure that in our name, it really captured the essence that we we are in a battle and we are counter almost everything that culture is pushing right now. Um, and we want to make sure that we are the ones that stand up. We, you look at the logo as well, also designed by me. <laughs> I just signed off on it. <laughs> um, but we, we want to be against culture and we're not, we're not, against culture for the sake of being against culture right we're against culture because we want to be biblical and we want to hold to biblical truth and that's why we are counterculturists um yeah don't don't get us wrong we aren't the type of people that's becoming more and more common nowadays that want to tear down society and its institutions no, absolutely um, not what we would rather strive for is turning these institutions back to God, pointing to them as um, basically the basis and the standard for all things good. Um, and to yeah, reorient our lives around the fact that God is sovereign, that God is God. Is God. Um, Amen. <laughs> So, yeah, we don't want to tear down cult or society. Um, we'd rather change culture, and we hope to change culture back to um, biblical principles as outlined in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, we're going to take a short break before we go to our next segment, which will be the apologetic segment. Um, we are going to take a little break, have some coffee, discuss a little bit, but of course you're not going to hear that. So we'll see you in about two seconds. 
and we're back guys okay we ready to get into this yes good answer all right so we're going to be moving on to the apologetics portion of the first podcast all right so we're going to kind of be going over the basics of apologetics um yeah so to start off what is apologetics Karsten? Apologetics is providing a defense. So in the context of Christianity, Christian apologetics refers to giving a defense of Christianity for why we believe what we believe. And while that includes also explaining what we believe, it also means defending what we believe. Um, And as we'll get into it, portions of that is learning to understand and ask these questions about other belief systems as to get the put the stone in the shoe as mentioned earlier um mm. to get them to think um and we'll find people are trying to do the same thing with us in these conversations we're hoping to get started yeah absolutely um uh, and on top of that not only what is apologetics but why must we do apologetics and is it optional for christians uh the simple answer for that is it is not optional um christians must do it it's we're commanded in scripture um thinking of the common passage of 1 peter 3 verses 14 and 15 um but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be in dread, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Yeah, exactly. And we see we see right there, we think specifically um, of always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks. And that's that's not something that's, Right, it's always, always being ready to get make a defense. Right, so this isn't something that us as Christians we can just be kind of passive about this. This has to be something that we do, and it's a requirement for the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Which leads to, yeah, everyone has to be prepared to give this defense. So we have to understand how we're going to do that and. In what manner are we going to have these conversations to defend our faith in? Or what are some things we're going to say in these? Um, I know Brett has some notes on yeah. a lecture you listen to, right? Yeah, so um, going back to tactics, uh, there's a lecture by Greg Kokel that I listened to and took some notes on. Um, and yeah, something that we want to say... like. This is a requirement, but that doesn't mean it's something easy, right? I know Karsten and I, although we were passionate about apologetics since we were, since we had that talk with Tim Barnett, like as we said, um, we we tried to, but it's not always the easiest thing to do, right? Because you look back on a conversation, some of the conversations that we had with people, and it's just like we instead of trying to the burden of proof was always on us, meaning that we always um, tried to prove our point rather than putting the burden on pr- uh, burden of proof uh, 
um, on them. Now, what that means is, is if an atheist makes a claim like there is no God, right? It's not up to you to prove that there is a God, right? Although you must give an account, right? When they ask you questions, you must answer. But if you make a claim, you must um, prove that claim, right? And that's, that's just how it works. And that's kind of the basis of what Greg Kokel goes through in his book, Tactics, in this lecture. Um, he points to Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, and that reads, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And Kokel um, notes three things about this passage. The first is that we must be smart, right? Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards others. The second, be nice. You must, your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. And the third, be tactical, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Now, this, be smart and be nice, right? We must know about the Bible. You don't go out and thinking that you can be an absolute warrior for Christ and never read the Bible, right? I'm sure you can talk, talk around some people, but when it comes to apologetics, you must know your stuff, right? Um, be nice. Yeah, a lot of people are nowadays are focused on winning the argument rather than winning the person, right? Maybe winning the person is not the best way to say that, but I think you know what, you, what I mean. Um, and then be tactical. This is really where um, Kokel goes in and he introduces something called the Columbo tactic. And there's two questions that he uses with the Columbo tactic. Um, Karsten? Number one is, what do you mean by that? Yes, yes it is. Um, and he says that. So at this point, you're kind of just gathering information about uh, what the other person is thinking, right? Because even within atheism, not every atheist speaks the same. It's the same with Christianity, right? Not every single Christian thinks the same. Well, and this is where, yeah, apologetics gets difficult. Yeah. Um, I've been in conversations where you can have the whole conversation drawn up in your head and then you go through the usual routes and all of a sudden someone says something you weren't expecting them to say. Mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden now you're, you're no longer in the driver's seat, um, which is another thing that's mentioned in tactics. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, conversations, you should always count on them not going the way you're expecting. Um, and as you practice these things, as we're going to continue going through the Colombo tactic, um, as you continue going through these things, it will get easier and easier. Um, it'll become more and more natural for you to ask these two questions. Um, so the first one, yeah, I mentioned is, what do you mean by that? And if you want to. Yeah. Get into that second. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm just going to reflect a little bit more on that first question, right? So uh, the purpose of the Colombo tactic, uh, as uh, Kokel said, was, um, he said, on the offensive, in an inoffensive way, with carefully constructed questions. 
Well, I have a quote on that too um, from yeah, Lowell right. Ivy. It says, there's a difference between speaking an offensive truth and speaking the truth in order to offend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that gets into our attitudes towards it. Um, that second point you mentioned to be nice. Um, yeah, we have to realize that the truth we're going to be speaking is going to be offensive to some. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're not going to... every not every conversation will be perfect and there will be people that get mad at you no matter what you say, right? Because if you're presenting the gospel to them, people will hate you, right? Um, but part of that, you're gathering information by letting them talk, right? You're not saying anything and they're engaged in the conversation, Um, So I'll get into the second um, step, which is, or the second question, how did you come to that conclusion, which is so helpful in um, talking to people. Well, it probes the logic and reasoning behind their claim, assumption, presupposition. Yeah. All of these things. Um, well, yeah, the first question, what do you mean by that? Gathers information, you engage in the conversation, and during that, you you don't make any claims yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're being attentive. People like talking about what they believe, mm-hmm. um, and they like it when you're interested. So you asking these questions are perfect, and they're helpful. And once you feel like you have enough, if they when they make a claim, you ask them the second question. How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah which is essentially asking why do you believe that, right? Exactly. Um, and that's that's really when, because a lot of these people can repeat exactly what they've been told, right? And they, they've, they're never taught to think about that, right? It's kind of just, um, it's like a recording device where you're just, um, I believe this and this is why. And then you can even, like, it's not going to be like ultimately what do you mean by that? Then how do you come to that conclusion? You never go back to that, right? If somebody says, um, I believe in relativism, relativism, right? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by relativism, right? And they say, they spread out that thing. You can go into that sentence. They say, everything is relative. Oh, well, what do you mean by everything, right? Is that sentence relative? Well, and we live in this culture, um, of deconstructionism, which I'm sure we'll get into in a later episode. Um, but basically where you you redefine everything. Language itself is no longer what it once was. Um, so this is why you have to ask these questions, especially in the current context that, yeah, you have to understand what their definitions are. Because, yeah, we take theists, for example, Christians are theists, but if we say we believe in God, uh, a Buddhist might say, or a Hindu, sorry, might say, I believe in God as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's what do you mean by God? Yeah, absolutely. Is it Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of the Christians? Or, or is it the or universe or, something. in the Hindu example, Brahma? Because yeah. these... They would both say, well, I believe in God, but their gods are completely different. And that's just one example. But, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, you have to understand what they're what they mean by a certain definition or a certain term, and that's why that question comes in handy. Yeah, absolutely, right. And remember, like these things, your Coco also brought up, like there are harvesters, and what he called there are gardeners, right? Not everyone's a harvester. A lot of people are just gardeners, right? Where they just, as you said, um, put a stone in their shoe, right? We're annoying. We're putting something. They th- they think maybe, oh, I never really thought about that. They keep thinking about it. They go to a place where they are ready to harvest, are ready to be told more truth, right? And ready to start coming and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that imagery is found in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, 6 and 7. It says, I planted, I being Paul, Apollos watered, but God was the, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. And so that's something important to remember in apologetics, too, that yeah, we have the gardeners and we have the harvesters, but ultimately it's God that does the growing. It's God that does the work in that person's life. He's merely using you as um, the means. Yeah, the means to carry out um, His word, His commands, um, with the hopes of, well, humanly speaking, with the hopes of bringing this person into Christ's fold. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, and like. We're not experts on this, right? We haven't written the book. So if you're looking for more resources on this, if this sounds like something you're interested in, look at Tactics by Greg Kukul and, or Kukul, my my apologies, Greg, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But look at that book. It's great. It's the first book that Carson and I read um, that really got us started into apologetics. And it's an easy read. It's not something that you have to be able to read Greek or Latin in order to understand. It's an easy read. It will help you immensely. And it'll. we need more people um, to be out in public asking these questions to these people. Because you can see out in culture, culture is not going towards Christianity, right? It's going the opposite way. Right. So that's it's something that we need. Um, So, yeah, if you're interested, look at websites like Stand to Reason. um, And then on top of that, Tactics by Greg Kokel is an amazing book to get you started on that. Now, moving on past tactics, we can get into the three schools of thought of apologetics kind of boils down to. Generally, testimony, evidential, and logic and reason. So, Karsten, what is testimony? Testimony is basically using one's own story to provide a defense for why they believe what they believe. And in my personal and most humble opinion, I I don't necessarily like this one too much, but I can see its purpose. Um, and as you'll find with these three schools of thought, um, different people will require different methods in order to reach them. So generally with testimony, I tend to stay away from it. 
Um, I didn't have some big dramatic conversion story like some people would, um, which I'm grateful for. Um, <laughs> growing up in the church um, and constantly being being given this Christian worldview and developing that over the years. You didn't have uh, some guy named Karsten uh, grab you by the chest and take you out of your darkness? No. It's all right, neither did I. Jesus did that. This is true. Continuing. Continuing. Um, um, yeah, so yeah. testimony comes boils down to, yeah, this is my experience with it. Um, and, yeah, moving quickly along from that, um, <laughs> you come you come to... Uh, evidential. Yeah, evidential, the second school of thought, where, which is providing evidences, physical evidences of what you believe. Um, I see much more importance in this one, seeing as, yeah, our faith is not blind. Um, I mean, Paul quote or writes in 1 Corinthians 15, um, he's defending the resurrection of Christ, and it's subtitled in my New American Standard Bible here as the fact of Christ's resurrection, as an objective fact, um, which all Christians should believe. Um, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and so I'm going to start at verse 5. Um, so verses 3 and 4 for context, just um, I'll read them to you, I guess. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, well that is Peter, then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain now, until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to me, or as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So, just in this, we can see all the vast number of people Christ appeared to after his resurrection. Um, we mentioned over 500 people at once. Um, and I think it's really important to note the most of whom remain until now. So Paul is telling these people that these people are still alive. Mm -hmm. You, you can go talk to them. Um, however, you can't talk to all 500 because some of them have passed. They, some of them have died. Yeah. And, um, and um, I mean, relating that today, you can't talk to any of them because they are dead. Are dead. Mm -hmm. But in the culture of, or in the context that in which 1 Corinthians was written, they, they could have found these people and they could have been, give us your testimony <laughs> to relate it back to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Paul's referring to evidences here. And I mean, while I see an importance of evidences um, in defending the faith, I lean more on this third, third line of, or school of thought being logic and reasoning. Uh, just before you go on to uh, logic and reasoning, um, evidential, a great book on evidentialism and just a really a practical way of somebody who uses evidentialism, the case for Christ. Um, if you don't like reading, there's a movie on it. I think it's on Netflix, but regardless, um, <clears throat> where Lee Strobel goes in, um, as an atheist trying to disprove Christianity and the evidence was so strong there 
that he actually converted from atheism to Christianity. Just quick little plug there. Um, but yeah, logic and reasoning. Go ahead. Yeah, so in that school of thought, I see two main branches. They're very close, but there's some significant differences. So the first one is known as classical apologetics. Um, and the second one is referred to as presuppositionalism, which both Brett and I would adhere to um, primarily. Um, but I know we all, or we both um, apply to both evidences and classical in mm-hmm. um, testimony occasionally, if required. Because yeah. again, it's important to know who you're, discuss- who you're co- talking with to yeah. know what the best method of approaching them with the gospel is. And just a, like, uh, I think, a good passage for this um, to kind of support logic and reasoning as an apologetic method. Uh, Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his foolishness, or you will also be like him. And then the following verse says, Answer a fool as his foolishness deserves so that he will not be wise in his own eyes. And I really like the New American Standard version of this, where it says, do not answer a fool according to his foolishness, meaning you do not go down to his level of reasoning. Right? You don't think like he does. We always have to um, keep in mind that there is a God, and we don't um, surrender uh our thoughts. Yeah, we don't neglect our Christian worldview. It's um, what Greg Bonson says is there's no, there's no neutrality. Um, yeah, we can't sacrifice our Christian worldview just to stoop down to the same level as someone else. Or as a phrase I like to use, get down into the mud with the pigs. Um, in, in hopes to just convert them, right? Because that's mm-hmm. not, if you're going down to their level, that's not witnessing christian mm-hmm. but that's verse five brings it back and says well you have to answer a fool according to the his foolishness mm-hmm. um and so yeah the way tim barnett described this is that we can answer we can answer the fool according to their folly we can use their own logic and this is where the colombo tactic comes in mm-hmm. um what do you mean by that and how do you come to that conclusion you throw that stone in, in their shoe um, and get them thinking. So you're answering them according to how they reason, and then they read, or with the hopes of them realizing that my logic is flawed. Yeah, yeah. Follow, like take their logic, follow it through to show them that their logic is actually flawed. Mm-hmm. And I, at my men's Bible study at church, um, before the this latest lockdown, um, this verse came up again, and one of the men there said that. Yeah, it's not enough to just constantly poke holes in another's worldview because it's cruel to leave them with that. Um, So, yes, we bring them the gospel, but he also added a new perspective that I've never really thought of before that moment, that what we have to do is also invite them to do the same to ours. Um, We should invite them to ask us questions about our worldview, about our faith, our religion as well. Um, and tactics gets into another way of how to deal with this. Um, but yeah, if you can give 
be ready to give a defense as 1 Peter 3 commands us to. Um, yeah, the Christian worldview is perfectly consistent. Well, and I think that goes back to there's, there's two, right? The gardener and the harvester, as Coco uh, put it. Um, whereas some people are gardeners, but sometimes those gardeners will have to harvest. Some people are harvesters, but will have to garden, right? Um, you have to react to the situation you're given. Um, but yeah, like, like you were saying, right? Like, there's there's both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, and that analogy of harvesters and gardeners comes from 1 Corinthians 3. Um, and where it says in starting at verse 6, I planted, that I being Paul, Apollo swatered, but God was causing the growth so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but god who causes the growth um and that's yeah that's important to remember um as we do our apologetics as we do our evangelism that nothing that we do will change that person's heart it's all through the work of god and his spirit that will ultimately do that and he He's merely using us as a means to. Do so. Exactly. No, I I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think that's something that, like, going back to just the whole answering the fool according to their own folly, right? Um, a lot of times, and this, once again, relates back to tactics, right? It, we take a very, very defensive approach that's not a bad thing but right so again going back to that burden of proof answer the fool according to his folly poke holes in his argument right don't only poke holes in it but also love that person be gracious to them be a witness to them throughout that whole process right that is obviously different if you're talking to somebody on the street who you never see again Right. But if it's a coworker, someone like that, you have to walk along with them in that journey. Right. Um, and that's that's what we're called to do as Christians. Yeah. And I just wanted to remind all of you that although, yeah, Brett and I, we um, adhere to the presuppositional method. Um, yeah, we we don't purely use it. No. There's room for an integration of the, these other methods. Um, one example I can think of is, it was a conversation I had with a coworker, um, where I was being asked these questions, um, and they were all in relation to evidences. And so we discussed everything from number of manuscripts for the New Testament, um, astronomy even, um, age of the earth, all of this, where I finally just told them after answering these questions, I said, I'm willing to answer your questions all day long, um. I'm willing to um, I'm willing to get back to you if I don't know an answer off the top of my head now. But really, if you really want to try and disprove my faith and my worldview, where you have to start then is the resurrection. And you mentioned the case for Christ, and that's that's where Lee Strobel tried to. Because um, Paul says in one Corinthians fifteen again. In verse 14, and if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Um, right. Paul even says it himself, right? If 
somebody wants to prove Christianity wrong, the resurrection is the place to go. If you prove the resurrection wrong, our whole faith falls apart. Well, exactly. Um, and so this person kind of just was taken aback by such a statement because I, again, bring it back to our um, the very basis of our worldview and belief system. The very basis of a Christian's belief system is God, that we are sinners, that he sent his son to die and save us. Um, but if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, what is our faith? Well, it's nothing. Um, so that's just an example where you can integrate it. It's, I prefer the presuppositional method, so I tried to draw it back to the presuppositions. And I don't know if you have anything you want to add on that. or. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a tactical approach is, approach is always needed, right? And uh, that that relates to using all three of those whenever um, you think it's necessary, right? And it takes time. It's not going to come in a day when you're able to convert um, somebody to Christianity just like that, right? And that will most likely never happen. There are instances where that does happen, but I remember we had a speaker at uh, our school once, um, and he said the shortest um, conversion that someone he had, like the shortest conversion he had seen was two years. So it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of work. But as Christians, we are called to do so, and this is something that we must do. Yeah, and so well, we're running out of time here, so I just want to close again with 1 Peter 3, verse 4, 14 and 15. Um, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be in dread. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. And with that, I think that concludes our first episode of the Counterculturist Podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, just as some concluding thoughts, we'd like to say um, we'd like to keep the conversation going. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the podcast, if you agree, if you disagree, um, let us know on our social media channels, Instagram and Facebook. Um, it will be Counterculturist Podcast, no spaces. So yeah, let us know what you thought. Let us know if you agree. Let us know if you disagree. And yeah, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Carson, if you have any uh, closing thoughts. Yeah, and if there's any topic in particular that you guys would like us to cover in the future, we would love to hear them. And you can reach us at the same channels, Facebook or Instagram. Counterculturist Podcast, no space, no caps. You can find us there. All right, and that concludes the first episode. See you next time. See you then.